National Hobo Week was observed this month, August 10th through the 13th. I'm not sure what it is in my background or experience that has always resulted in a kind of romanticized view of hobos because I don't remember ever hearing or, re or even reading about them to any extent at all. But I did have that view, uh, to a small extent at least. My research told me that hobos and tramps are commonly lumped together, but that in their own sight, they are sharply differentiated. A hobo is mostly a migratory laborer. He may take some longish holidays, but eventually returns to work. A tramp reportedly travels, but never works. The terms drifter, drifters and hobos became common after railroads were built in this country, allowing those without money to illegally hop onto freight trains for travel. Many discharged veterans returning home from the Civil War hopped freight trains to get to their destinations. Other veterans looking for work took freight trains to the western frontier in the late 19th century. The number of hobos, as we might guess, increased during the Great Depression of the 1930s, and some disillusioned veterans returning from Vietnam also embraced the hobo lifestyle. But eventually, for various reasons, the numbers of hobos began to diminish. One author, however, estimated that at one point there were likely as many as 20,000 people living as hobos in North America. In the mid-1800s, an ethical code was created by a hobo union called Tourist Union Number no. 63 as a way to dodge anti-vagrancy laws which did not apply to union members. <laughs> Among the 16 charges of the code were these. When in town, always respect the local law and officials and try to be a gentleman at all times. Don't take advantage of someone who is in a vulnerable situation, locals or other hobos. When no employment is available, make your own work by using your added talents at crafts. Help all runaway children and try to induce them to return home. Try to stay clean and boil up whenever possible. I assume that means a bathe, and so on. So, so were, uh, there were a number of other charges in this ethical code. Uh, though many people looked down on hobos, they were not at all completely unprincipled men. A number of people you likely have heard of, including writers, Musicians and sociologists in particular spent some time living as hobos. Among these are Jack Dempsey, Lauren Isley, Woody Guthrie, Jack Kerouac, Jack London, Robert Mitchum, George Orwell, and Carl Sandburg. More than a few books, poems, and songs came from their journeys. The number of hobos in America seems to have declined through the years in part because the railroads moved from steam to diesel locomotives making jumping a moving train more dangerous as well 
as they declined for socioeconomic factors. As I learn more about our culture through the years and the hobos residing therein, I kept coming back to the question of our homeless, the homeless people of today. Whereas rightly or wrongly, I think of hobos as embracing their roles in our communities, I never have had that thought about our homeless citizens. I think of our homeless siblings as largely desperate people, many of whom are uncomfortable, frightened, ashamed maybe, and wondering whatever happened to their lives. How did they come to be living in shelters or on the streets? I try to imagine what their lives are like, and I can't. I cannot imagine all that they must go through in attempting to feed themselves clean themselves and their few possessions, and stay safe through the night. I can't imagine the loneliness they experience. Their fates, however they came to be, are an abomination to me, and I hate that we live in a society that allows such horror. I hate that we are a nation of haves and have-nots, and that the extremes at both ends are so outlandish and loathsome. I hate that the obscenely wealthy live as though they are entitled to that wealth and the esteem that I guess comes with it. I hate that for some there is no limit on how much money, property, toys, and advantages they can accrue even while their fellow citizens, their equals, you may rightly and justly say, sleep on the streets and go hungry. As Renee Maxwell said in our opening reading, sometimes you have to ask yourself, how much is enough? You own islands, you own condos, you own places all across the United States. You're not through. I wonder the same thing. <coughs> Chicago Alderman Helen Schiller, in the same book, said, you have to bring back to people their own humanity. Yes, that is what we need to do, and I don't know how to do it. I know how to help the disadvantaged, and Neshoba has done a lot of that through the years, but I don't know how to bring humanity back to the hearts and souls of the reprehensible indefensibly uber-rich, for surely they have lost it somewhere along the way. They have lost their humanity. That can be the only explanation. According to the National Alliance to End Homelessness in January of last year, 2022, 582,462 people were experiencing homelessness across the country. This is about 18 out of every 10,000 people. 22% of them are chronically homeless individuals or people with disabilities who have experienced long-term or repeated incidents of homelessness. 6% are veterans, veterans. 5% are unaccompanied youth under the age of 25. Throughout our country, numerous dedicated workers 
use limited available resources to serve people who are homeless. On a given night, the homeless services system provides shelter for approximately 348,630 people, and yet 40% of the homeless live unsheltered in a vehicle, an abandoned building, in a park, or under the freeway, or on the sidewalks. Here in Memphis, according to Action News 5 reporters, Joyce Peterson and Lydian Kennan, our homeless have been living in tents beneath highways across the city. They were removed from these encampments earlier this summer after a new state law was passed, making it a felony, a felony to camp on public property. Ours also is the first state law to be enacted in the entire country. There are an estimated 3,500 to 4,200 homeless people in Memphis right now, counting those who are in hospitals, abandoned buildings, living out of their cars, couch surfing, or in a shelter. The fastest growing group of homeless in our area right now are young people who have aged out of foster care, vulnerable and young. We do have organizations dedicated to assisting the homeless, although not enough, and some homeless say they do not really feel safe in the shelters, which is probably a sermon for another time. Here at Neshoba, we spent three or four years pre-pandemic housing homeless people right here in our sanctuary, uh, and up here even. Uh, we did this through Room in the Inn, also called Weedy, on the coldest nights of the year, and then also on the hottest. Neshoba volunteers would drive to a central location downtown, transport 10 to 20 people here, where we had mats rolled out with clean bedding. Then we would feed them a home-cooked meal, chat with them, or put on a movie, allow them to shower, and then give them refuge in warm, clean, comfortable, and safe beds for the night. In the morning, we would feed them a good breakfast and transport them back to downtown. We did this sometimes as many as four or five times a week, though usually only one or two. But it was a huge, huge endeavor, a lot of work, and we had a large number of Neshobans and a few people from outside the church joining in this effort. That is what one small church could do and did, and we do plan to do it again. The board has already approved the continuation of this effort. But it's such a small effort when you consider the immensity of the need and why such an immense need. I can only assume that we as a nation don't care enough to make it the priority it should be. People living on the streets. And I know I am arguing only one side of this issue. I simply have no heart to try to argue the other side, which is assuming people put themselves in their own predicaments 
and insisting they pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. I don't have the heart to make that argument. William F. Schultz, former president of the Unitarian Universalist Association and former executive director of Amnesty International USA, is an author of, I believe, now seven books, and is someone who, when I was in seminary, guest taught a course on preaching, which I was fortunate enough to take. Of the many wonderful words he has shared, I'd like to share with you two quotes. He said, to look on human agony and consistently remain unmoved is to be dead in all the ways that truly matter. Dead to the mystery of pulse and breath, dead to the gifts of grace and kindness, dead to the fragility of creation. And he said, if we would live in the world with honor, we must not let misery go unmet. A world worth keeping sleeps ill with the torn unmended. To which I say, Amen.